Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Is the Joel Embiid extension worth it? How has Russell Westbrook fit in with his new teammates? Should NFL athletes take a knee? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. As always, or normally as we plan it on Wednesdays, I've got with me James Hollis, a.k.a. at Snotty Drippin' on Twitter. James, it's been a little while, but I'm glad that you're here with me. Yeah, we're not fooled by your as always stuff. You've been blowing me off since last like last couple weeks. Uh, I, if you, if I must, I will show you the screenshot of a DM that says, "Can we record tonight?" from last week and crickets from James. That's, that's fake news. Fake news. Sad. Okay. Well, let's get into the real news then, because we have some, I believe. Which is. Joel, Joel Embiid signing an extension. The Sixers are uh, taking a dip in the pool. They're not even putting their toe in. They're jumping in the, bet, the deep end here. What's your immediate reaction? No, nah, the Sixers ran right from outside through the house wearing full snow gear right out the back door and, and just did a, a cannonball into the pool. Um, after eating plays, a big dinner. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> five minutes after eating. So this is the thing, and I'm – I'm sorry, listeners, because I know we all know it. 31 games, awesome when he played, um, you know, ended last season on the injury. You would have thought that, you know, Philly would have at least kind of haggled a little bit, you know, the Steph Curry thing where because of the injury concerns, they had to try to get him at a hometown discount. But, I mean, they could have waited until next summer when he was a restricted free agent, you know, and, and just matched any offer or, again, try to get him at a discount. But, nope, they – uh they just went all in, and uh, Embiid's getting the max five years, one forty-eight. And from what I understand, there's a lot of uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for, coach. Incentives. Incentives. He reached the incentives. It could be like one seventy-eight. And from what I, I guess what I heard, coach, is that there's also some language in the new deal that if he does have like a, a bad injury again, they uh, get some kind of salary cap relief. Okay. I'm not sure how true that is. But yeah, that's the word. So. Um, but at the same time, you know what, Coach? They, they, they ran this process for three or four years. Um, this is a big deal. Uh, he represents basically hope for the franchise. And I know it sounds hokey, and I know it's crazy just to spend money on hope, but, I mean, I guess sink or swim, they're gonna, they just said we're all in. We, ran the, we started this process. We're going to see it to the end. So uh, that's a, it's, a, it's a bold risk. Uh, maybe they know somebody's medical that we don't, but, uh, hey, there we are. Yeah, I, I like to I like to prefer to, to think of guys as you know they're going to be healthy. It's really tough for me to get to the point where we're going to assume he's going to get hurt, even though it's there's a lot of evidence to the fact. One of those years, though, I mean, they really babied him, and he probably would have been able to play uh, X amount of games if they weren't tanking. So I feel like this whole 31 games thing is a little bit skewed, right? Like he could have played in one of those other seasons, but. Um, 
But you're right. But either way, but the other thing you said, the little nugget there was that he is amazing when he's in. He's he is all NBA when he plays. And so, um, I, but I, I think I, I think I agree with you though. Uh, they probably could have gotten a bit of a discount, even if they have an incentive laden that will cover them. Because remember, those incentives are also basically injury, you know, uh, hedging. So um, I don't, I don't know. I'll, they certainly have money to do it, and um, and you're right. They need to kind of start to change the perception, start getting all the hearts and minds behind them and part of the process. So uh, I don't know. I think they did okay. Really? So you? Wow, I'm what, you think, in agreement here. So, so, oh, really? Okay, so we're both in agreement. We both feel like it was, it, it was the deal was okay. I mean, yeah, I, they have nothing else to spend that money on right now, right? Um, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't have been yeah. shocked if they had tried to get him for less years. I would have been shocked if they tried to, you know, you know, negotiate. All right, give us two, give us two years at twenty five million a year just to see if you're healthy, and then we'll work from there. But they just went all in. So, I mean, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Philly. And then, like you said, I'm knocking on wood with hope he stays healthy. Exactly. Because they're, they're like must-see TV when he's in, especially because uh, they're throwing out Ben Simmons there now, who looks really good. Have you had a chance to get some eyeballs on him? I have. I saw him against the Celtics. Um, the guy, I mean, he's, he's never been the passer, ever the playmaker that he's been advertised. He's, uh, he's scared to shoot, which is kind of worrisome. And he flat-out shoots with his wrong hand. Uh, like he's, <laughs> right. he's, driving hard, he's driving hard left and flipping up with his right for some reason. I, I don't get what's happening. Um, so my one concern is the, between him and uh, Fultz, you know, the, the shooting is not where it should be. But it is what it is, right? You roll with the talent you have, and they're young, and they have time to improve. So J.J. Reddick and Covington and Embiid will provide a lot of spacing. So it, I'm excited for Embiid to get back on the floor and we see what they really got. Right, and that's why they're going to be kind of weird. I mean, I know Redick is in a traditional spacing uh, position, but like Embiid isn't necessarily, and uh, and they'll have Covington who can shoot a little bit. So they do have some of that. Uh, but either way, it's going to be exciting because I mean Ben Simmons on the break, running that break is this looks terrific. The thing about the right hand, he's been doing it since college, and I kind of had this breakdown I've been wanting to do, and he keeps you know wasn't he was injured in play. But uh, it's very strange. He will corkscrew any, in any manner to get the right-handed shot off when it shouldn't be, even though he's a lefty. And uh, the consensus that I have come to with a couple other people as well is that he's probably really a righty and that somebody at some point like, sort of made him be a lefty. In fact, I think his father made him be a lefty. And uh, even with his jump shot, he brings it to the right side first, like he'd be a righty shooting it, and then he kind of brings it over to the left quickly to shoot it. It's all screwy, and as a result, I can't imagine him ever being a good shooter from anything outside of 12 or 14 that way. Um, perhaps it doesn't matter with his passing and his ability to drive. I mean, we, we know it matters, right? I mean, so two things. We know it matters, right? You, you, want, you want your best player, well, your best playmaker with the ball in his hand to be able to be a threat score with a jump shot. You want that. So it matters. But two, they said the same thing about LeBron for, you know, five or six years, and finally he became a passable shooter, and now he can, you know, he's a threat to score from anywhere now. So, I mean, maybe it just takes time, time and reps, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would have said if he was, uh, you know, coming out of high school, let him shoot it righty. Like, I would have probably even, you know, into the senior year, I would have said you should try it because I'm sure, well, I don't want to look at his stats in high school, but I imagine he probably wasn't a great shooter then either. So, um, you know, it's too late now, but it's it's too bad. I think it will ultimately, you know, you're right. The, the one thing that seems to go up across, you know, everyone's careers is shooting. Like, guys tend to improve their outside jump shot. 
uh, over time. So, yeah, it should improve anyway just by reps. But, uh, again, I, I, I can't imagine him ever being better than, like, you know, just a little bit below average from three, for instance, uh, you know, 33 34%, which might be just enough if they have enough other, other players. But uh, I love the way he plays, and he can get into the lane. He's strong, and he can facilitate. And even if they want to sag off, uh, that gives him a little bit of steam to get going, and he can see over the defense. So, uh, you know, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and see if he can't make it work. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. I think especially in the short term, right, when the team went from having, you know, almost no talent around and be to having two guys with such high upside, it's going to be better, you know. But nothing's perfect. No player is perfect. And if this is his thing for a while, he can't shoot, I think they'll figure it out eventually where, you know, at least he gets a set jumper, he gets, you know, the corner three, something. Yeah. Because he's too talented. He's such, a, he's such a great athlete. He's so talented. So, um, but, yeah, man, back to the, like, this is what Philly, they're, they're ready to move forward and, and start, you know, making some gains and moves. Are they making the playoffs this year? Oh, I mean, I, I had said on Twitter that Embiid got to play, I think I said 70 games, but that's too high. I think he, if he plays in like 60 games, I think they make it. That's oof. Well, see, my problem was I, I watched them against Boston the other night. You see, I don't know if you caught that. I did. And... Without Embiid, like, you know, Boston just played their, you know, they're playing their big three. They're starting five basically set, and they still just kind of ran Philly off the court. You know what I mean? So that's, yeah. uh, that's, I know it's preseason and it doesn't really matter. We know Simmons and Fultz will get together and they'll get more time together on the floor. And talent, talent kind of you know, makes things different. But without that backline defense of Embiid, you know they're 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 not that good. I don't think so. Right. If he, you know, if he if he misses literally a quarter of the season. I'm not sure, man, but it is the East, and you know right. the East, the bottom of the East, is that stuff. Well, the way I see it is, okay, if he plays in 60 games, I think that they probably win a, a little bit more than 30 of those. So let's just pretend that they win like I don't know 34 of the, of the 60. They probably right. only need another like seven, right, to get into the playoffs. To make the playoffs, you know, so okay. they only have to, they only have to go seven and uh, the last 22 games, seven and 15. So. I don't know. It's, that's why. That's where I was kind of coming from. But you're right. But then again, asking him to play 60 games is twice as many as he's ever played before, uh, and that's an, another thing. But he he is that good. I feel like you know he he could do it for them. Uh, but we'll see. I might be too high on my on my you know of the 60 games. They, how many they win, uh, and that might throw everything off. But uh, and again, they'll lose the Celtics on most of those games anyway, right? Because the Celtics are just better and the Cavs are better. So you know we're talking about getting to the A seed. I think uh, they have a shot. So let me ask you this, Coach. When healthy, where do you rank Embiid? Let's say we get 65, 70 games of, of Embiid. Is there any center you take over him? Oh, it's uh, a really good question. Um, wow. It, and and he's, he, he is who he was from last year? I mean, I don't think so. I think I would take him over anybody. All right. He, you say you can play him 25. You know, they only play him 28 minutes a game, 30. They cap at 30, and he averages 23 and 9 and, you know, two and a half blocks a game, just like he was last year. Yeah. No, I, I, I can't. I mean, you know, who are the other candidates? I guess there's like Jokic is up there maybe. Um, yeah, Carol, Carol, Anthony Towns, I suppose. We got to kind of figure out if they're all playing the same position or not. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I like him being as good as any of those guys, any of the younger guys. And then I can't even really picture any all the older guys who are at that center position who, I would, who I'm liking anyway. So, yeah, you got to take him, right? That's what I say, too. I was listening to other podcasts today and, 
someone said that uh, I don't get it. They were like, yeah, you know, I put him up there with Cat and Embiid. I mean, Cat and uh, and Jokic and you know maybe Marcus All. And I'm like, I'm listening, thinking, did they not watch this guy last year? Right. I don't know. He. Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, you know, maybe Demarcus Cousins is up there. Is he? <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the production is there for the most part, and you can you see the talent, and he can do stuff. I don't, I wouldn't want him on my team, <laughs> you know. And I think there's a whole chemistry issue, but it, it, we have to kind of figure out what we want to talk about. But uh, again, Embiid, though, again for the chemistry as well, is is so much more of a better teammate than anybody, someone like Demarcus Cousins. So yeah, I, I really think it's a no brainer for me, and it certainly it sounds like you're, you know, we can't argue on that one, unfortunately, because you know it's always better when we argue. I mean, we can bring up talk something about Russ if you want. I'm ready to fight about that. All right. But, well, let's no, talk, well, let's we can talk about OKC. <laughs> you and I were watching Denver just now, the first half, and uh, you know, uh, here let's fight about this. Russ actually looked really, really good and was was giving the ball up early and getting people facilitated and hitting the roll man. And guess what? Doing that more than he normally did, he gets you know 18 points in the half and like six or seven assists. Maybe I lost. I don't know how many assists he had in the first half, but he he was amazing. He was better than anything he had. had you know, to, it, it, he was almost better with like those numbers than he was last year already. And I know it's a preseason game and it's all whatever, but if this is how he's going to play, man, then I can get behind it. Um, and see, we're not even argue about that though. I'm not going to argue with you because I know we, I say, I, no, I, he was awesome last year and it was by design. He dominated the ball with these two guys. He has now Paul George and Carmelo. He can't do that. He just, he has to make sure he gives up the ball and shares and gets those guys involved or else he'll be by himself again next year or in the next couple of years. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Um, so you, yeah. You, yeah. You can argue though that with KD and that and that better team, he didn't quite. I mean, it's a little bit different when you say like when you're watching even the first half of tonight, and it's also a function of the offense. The offense is different. There's a little bit more movement than there was when um, Scott Brooks was still there and KD was still there. So there's something to that as well, I, I think. Yes, I, I've long said that Scott Brooks was the best and worst thing for him and for KD and Russ because he let them be themselves, which is really cool. But by not giving them uh, more structure and not holding them more accountable to their teammates, when it became when they became who they were, you can't ask them to change. You know, you can't just say, "Okay, you've been doing this now, do something else." That's just not how it works. You know, and so it, it was a blessing and a curse because we got the best of Russ and we got the worst of Russ because Russ, I think, would have benefited from um, just a little more discipline when he was a younger player, right? Yeah. A coach yeah. to kind of. To kind of form him a little more instead of saying, all right, hey, he's great. Let him run wild. And if we know Russ didn't run wild, he, he honed his game, but he didn't hone it within a, a, a team structure that made a little more sense than Russ, your turn, Katie, your turn. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. When he's under control and getting guys in, in positions and scoring, then he just kind of picks his spots. That's the best form of Russell Westbrook. I agree. And you know what? Uh, looking at this, I know it's Denver, and I, I keep saying that Denver is going to be really good. And all Mike Malone has to figure out is which five-man units to play with each other. I think that's always been the hardest thing for any coach when they're coming in and trying to get the alchemy going with their teams. Uh, once he can figure that out, they'll take off, I think, for sure. They, and, and again, they were holding, hanging tough with OKC, too. Uh, again, when he found the right lineups. So, but, uh, you know, you watch what OKC is doing and they miss a ton of open shots. Like Olympic Mello was all over this game, bricking up the threes, but 
they were threes that were open off of some sort of pick and roll by Russ, who then would hit the uh, roll man, who would then kick it to Paul George in the corner, who then fired it over to, to Mello for like a, just a catch-and-shoot shot. Like, that's going to have to be pretty scary for the rest of the Western Conference if, if we're going to get Olympic Mello, because I know he's playing in the mile high. That's the other thing that's weird for all those guys, I'm sure. Uh, but you get him back into the comfort zone, and he's making 50% of those shots from three when they're like that. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's funny to me how many people wrote off Carmelo Anthony going to OKC. Sure, he's not the same guy he was in 2008, 2009, 2010 when he was, you know, he can just give you 28 a night kind of easily. Right. But when you play with Russell Westbrook and Paul George, he didn't have to be. That's the great thing about it, right? So um, I, I'm really high on OKC Thunder. And it's weird, though, because no matter how high we are on the Nuggets and the Thunder and the Houston Rockets, is there any doubt coach who's going to, you know, be in the finals representing the West? Um, there's not, not, no, there's no doubt at all. However, you know, then we got to figure out, well, who can give them at least an interesting series? And, uh, you know, Nate, Nate Duncan was on the show a little earlier this summer talking about how the Thunder are, you know, uniquely qualified to some degree in certain positions to defend them. Um, okay. But, um, so we'll have to see how that goes. But they, they have the ingredients for something interesting. Like, they could be third in the Western Conference, and that gets them, you know, a, a nice home court advantage in the, in the second round even. And you know what happens there? Like, you know, they, they, take a, they play a seventh game at home and win it. That's the conference finals for them. I think that would be a really successful year for them. So my thing, like, we keep saying that, and I agree that, you know, Paul George, Roberson, Maybe even a guy like um, Josh Houston. They got a lot of long athletes, right? And, you know, Melo is looking pretty good power forward. But it's like, Coach, if you give me a bulletproof vest and you wrap me in pillows and you're out there just in your you know, shirt and your, your me undies and we both get hit by a car, sure, I'm better equipped to get hit by that car. <laughs> I'm still getting hit by a car. And, you know, we're, I think we're both still pretty much we're both creams. So that's my thing as far as teams that are quote unquote equipped to deal with uh, Golden State. Golden State's wow. a car right now. We can put as many layers of clothes on as we as we want. It's just not really going to help, I think. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny because we're talking about ingredients for uh, for beating Golden State. And it kind of reminds me of another thing where we're using ingredients and recipes, and that's Blue Apron. Who you might not know wow. this, but it's uh, it's October, and they're celebrating their fifth anniversary by bringing back their top twenty recipes from the past five years that have been picked by the Blue Apron community. So um, do you ever cook at home, James? Oh, you know I do. I try to get stuff in the kitchen. It's just I hate shopping, man. So sometimes I eat out a lot. Oh, well, for you and everybody else that hates shopping, if you get Blue Apron, they deliver the food right to your door. It's amazing kind of stuff when they give you everything perfectly measured out. So when you want to make these easy-to-understand recipes, uh, you can do it in like 40 minutes or less, sometimes even quicker than that. Uh, and they're really awesome. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be like for the for the bachelors who don't want to go shopping and buy all that stuff and then you know, have half the food go bad. Uh, or the people who have families like me who just, you know, want to have a home-cooked meal and, and bond with their, their kids. Hey, my daughter and I make these uh, all the time. We just did a, be- a beef and pinto bean chili with cheddar cornbread topping. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That sounds absolutely delicious. But, I mean, that's, that must be really expensive. You know what? It's funny that you ask that because it really isn't because you can spend under $10 per person for that meal and it's as good as anything you're going to get in a restaurant for twice as much. So uh, I really feel like if you go to Blue Apron, uh, you're going to really you know benefit from that on a lot of different levels. And then you benefit even more because if you go to blueapron.com slash coachnick, 
you can get $30 off your first meal with free shipping. 30 bucks. Uh, that's a great deal to get you going, and they, they I guarantee you you're going to love it. Well, you know what? I think I'm in. What's that website again? <laughs> it's blueapron.com slash Coach Nick. 30 bucks off your first meal. And let me just give you the tagline because it says here, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And it really is. So that's the recipes I'm talking about on the, on the, in, the in the kitchen. Now let's get back to what we were talking about with the NBA because – uh, what else should we talk about here? We have a lot of things going on. Did you happen to hear that the the Porzingis, uh, the um, Wally Z, uh, you know, ripping on him when that when their mic was still hot? Yeah, and this is a uh, it's crazy how uh, the NBA is happening fast and faster. It seems like players and fans and not players, I'm sorry, but fans and even media guys put people on a pedestal just to tear them down, right? It's, and it 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 kind of sucks because Porzingis was just. Uh, a relative unknown just a couple years ago when he was drafted, right? He was, he was booed in New York. He showed this great potential, and it's it sucks because it's more about what people expect of him than anything he's done. Because I think he's been fine. His development's been kind of slow, and that's, I, I think that's a lot to do with the environment in New York, right? They weren't very conducive to a young player being good when he's sitting behind, you know, Derrick Rose is taking more shots than him. But, um, yeah, we're to the point now where the season hasn't even started yet, and he's being ripped by his, by the, you know, the, the color color commentators because he's not dominating, you know, and it's it sucks. It, it's it's really terrible because he I think he's a fine player and in the right hands on the right team he could be franchise changing and he, you know the pressure's on him now as a Nick. Right. Well, here's a stupid thing. Let's call out Wally Zerbiak for a second because frankly he's my age and so plus minus to him means like back then we thought that that was a really important stat that like was not noisy at all and it is so. That's one thing, because that's what he was calling him out for, like a negative 20 in the first half. The other thing was he had a hip injury. The dude isn't running very well. He's in pain. He didn't play the second half because of it. And they, of all people, should have known that. So uh, that's another problem with this whole thing. And, what, and the funny thing is, is with, with all these hot mics, with the other one who has DVRs, you know, that would never have gotten recorded. No one would have remembered it, who noticed it, whatever. And, and here we are uh, on that end, too. So I also feel like there's some of that, like, you know, uh, a player from a different era who doesn't maybe necessarily understand completely what these stats mean anymore. Uh, you know, plus minus, we got to move along. We got to find something a lot better than that. Right, because I mean, we all know that plus minus, single game plus minus, it can be an aberration, right? Like yeah. I could be having, I could be having a great game, and guess what? I'm on the court when another team goes on a 12-0 run, and I'm not shooting the ball, and all of a sudden my plus minus is in, is in the crapper. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah in the wrong hands. Any stat can can seem bad. Yeah, and by the way, I use it sometimes, and a lot of times, like I'll see a guy he's playing really bad, he's not boxing out, he's getting scored on, he's breaking up shots, and you know I'll look at the plus minus, and it's it's bad. Let's just say and that that sort of at least gives you an indication, but it starts with the eyeballs and looking at what they're doing. But you're right, it's there's there's too much noise going on in there for that to be a significant thing, and it's just you know kind of silly. Um, for that kind of take, especially even in the preseason, because it's like they really sounded like disappointed, like, like you know, come on, man, what's wrong with you? How can you not be out there dominating? I don't know. But meanwhile, like, you know, we see Russ just taking Jokic's head off <laughs> off of a screen, like, you know, Jokic trying to set a screen. He just knocked him off his feet and they got a, got a flagrant one. And this is the first quarter of, a, of a, the preseason game. So uh, I guess there's probably some sort of happy medium in between those two things. Uh, I mean, the thing about Russ was awesome because Russ, 
Russ is in midseason form already. He just he's a cantankerous, not very happy player all the time, and I love that about him. And call me a hypocrite because people say that Kobe was a lot the same. Why do you like Kobe? I just don't like Kobe. That's all right. Uh, but yeah, I guess I'm just curious as to we haven't seen the Knicks. You know, they've been the Knicks. We got to make the playoffs. Make the playoffs. This is their first time really being in a quote unquote rebuilding mode, and it's good. But I mean, in a market like New York, coach, can that is that sustainable? I mean, what's going to happen this year? They're going to rip them apart in the media for losing, even though they're built to lose. Uh, hey, if he can make it there, he can make it anywhere. I, th- mm-hmm. I suppose is the song. So yes, I, I don't. You know, that's what it's like playing in New York, man. And it's it's too bad because you know, not that that contributes to why they've been bad for so long, because they have been good and they've been able, people have been able to thrive there. But um, you know, they're going to be bad again this year. I'm anxious to kind of see be, uh, what they're doing on offense because uh, I, I do see a little bit more. And that's the other thing that's interesting about what's going on right now uh, in offenses. It really feels like this is the year, this is ground zero for every team embracing the pace and space, five out, you know, as much as possible, three points, dribble handoff or on the perimeter. You know, they're all sort of the style seems to be kind of getting homogenized here. And I wonder what that's going to mean toward, you know, for fans and what it's going to be like as we move forward into this, you know, watching the game. Is it going to end up kind of being boring? No, see, Coach, I mean, the pace and space revolution is here, but we have the teams like the Timberwolves. Right, who are still kind of classically big with Carson Towns and and Gorgie Dang and you know uh, Todd Gibson. You got teams like uh, the Pelicans with Boogie and Brow, and sure they both you know they both stretch the floor a little bit, but they're still you know too big, man. Um, even a team like the Memphis Grizzlies are they're going modern, but you know Marcus Sewell's still their best or second best player, and he's a, a throwback center. Uh, a team like the Heat. Sure, the Heat gets down the floor and they run, but in the middle there's Hassan Whiteside. He's going to get big minutes, and beside him, behind him is is Bam uh, Bam Adebayo. Adebayo. Yeah, yeah, Adebayo. I almost slipped up on the name. Adebayo, who is a you know he's a he's a big man, but you know he's he's not shooting threes. He's going to try to run and dunk everything around the rim. There's only so many players, and every player can't be KD and Russ, right? So mm-hmm. you know that's why the team like OKC exists with. With uh, Westbrook, and you know he's not a—he's definitely not a modern center. He's not pacing the station. Um, so, okay. there's, yeah, there's only so there's only so much to go around. And sure, for every Houston, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a, a Pelicans. Yeah, right. Oh, oh, no, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, Pel- right. Okay, yeah, I want to see because I'm—I need to break down those teams as well because Memphis is like that as well, where they don't quite do the same kind of you know. Uh, pin downs on the weak side, dribble handoff on the one other side. I mean, they're all kind of doing some version of like what the Warriors are trying to do. Whether or not they're successful at it, whether or not they have the person, personnel to do it, to me, what I'm seeing though is like they are just simply doing a lot of the same actions. And you're right, there's a lot of different you know options out of these different things. So each team will have their own subtle shades of how they want to do it. Um, so I, I'm just, you know I'm just kind of throwing it out there. I'm kind of it's curious to me to see how that's going to you know uh, play out as we move into the future, because it might not even be obvious, even to like a regular fan, that, that it's the same kind of actions over and over again from both teams. But it might sort of intrinsically seep in where they're like, I, I don't know, there's something missing. But again, we'll have to find out. And that's where the fast breaks come in, too, because those are always different and always that's the jazz. And uh, as long as we keep that, then, you know, we should have a lot of you know, variation. So something to watch for at the very least. Well, and here's the thing. You're absolutely right that, you know, right now it's become a very, you know, I guess copycat league, shoot a lot of three, get to the rim. It's not going to change unless something changes with Golden State 
as far as, you know, do they break up that team, that core anytime soon. And, you know, it's kind of scary, though, because Clay Thompson already came out and said he's willing to take less when his contract's up and, you know, he's time to renegotiate in 2019, I think. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the league should be kind of worried that they're going to be dominated for a long time. Hey, Coach, real quick, some more uh, details about Embiid's uh, contract came up. There's very, it's a 35-page contract, and there's very specific uh, wording about uh, if he suffers a, a specific catastrophic injury. So across the last four seasons, uh, each of the final four seasons, according to ESPN.com, um, ending with the 2022-2023 season, the Sixers could waive and be for financial benefit if he's lost because of a contractually agreed upon injury that caused him to miss 25 or more regular season games if he plays less than 1,650 minutes. Okay. So that's good. That, that, that puts some, some safeguards in there, at least financially for them, where it doesn't kill them if you know, he ends up going down. I like that. And then, by the way, and if he does meet those other criteria, then he's a good deal because those are all, you know, those will those are be great numbers that he make, meets. Right. So, yeah, it says only in past problem areas, so his feet and his back. If he misses those, <laughs> no. 25, yeah. Otherwise, like I say, he breaks a wrist or has a knee injury. Yeah, right. Then they, they can't waive him for cost for cost benefit. So okay. that's all right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, the agents, his agent and the front office, were, I'm sure they're eyeing each other from across that, you know, that uh, that red line there trying to figure out who is going to get closer to it. So uh, I don't know. I feel like, you know, that that's going to end up being, uh, you know, I, I want to be positive about this because I think we both love him so much and love way, a, the way he plays and B, he's just a great kid. He's just really funny and he's got a great sense of humor uh, and a great way about him on the court. I just, you know, we, let's just let's just pretend that it's going to all go well. He'll make his money. They'll be good. Uh, you know, and, and maybe even really good. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, their ceiling is uh, what their ceiling is probably what eighth in the conference ultimately this year. Ooh, that's their ceiling. Even uh, if he plays sixty games, sixty-five. He, okay, I, I don't know. I mean, sixth. What do you, I mean? That's you know, are they going to improve thirty-five games? Uh, I mean, he's really, really good. You know, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to gauge it, and the East changed so much, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say six, eight, six to eight, I guess. Yeah, all right, I'll give him. I, I could say maybe six is the highest. So yeah, we could we could kind of get to that far, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, what else? Anything else you want to wrap up with uh, about the NBA? Um, just real quick, let's talk a quick bit about how much starting count starting matters to these players in the NBA. A big a big thing was made about when Dwayne Wade came to Cleveland when he's come off the bench, and you know that was a topic of discussion amongst the NBA Twitterati. And, you know, they already announced he's going to be the starter, and people are saying he's being selfish. You know, as a veteran player like Dwayne Wade, and uh, he still averaged 18, 4-4 four four last year, whatever it is, it, it's, a, it's not just a matter of – it's a matter of respect and pride from both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think he's selfish for not taking the bench roll? Oh, um, well, here's what's funny. This uh, really briefly, you know, I was looking through Twitter and there were people were sending me clips of him uh, in the game like a few days ago where it looked bad, man. I mean, like he went to the hole a couple times, ended up on his butt with like no, there's not going to, there was no call, just wildly missed shots, couldn't elevate. And I was like, this is going to be really bad. But then he comes down the court a final time and like does a reverse dunk and like was like, whoa, where did that come from? It might have even been like off one leg too. So, um, I don't know. I mean, because you're right. Even if he starts, he's still only going to play, right, 24 minutes a game, 25, right? Maybe. I mean, you would hope so. 
So they're going to give him the six minutes in the first quarter, six minutes in the third. That's 12. Uh, then they'll, they'll sprinkle him at the end of the second quarter for five minutes. That's 17. Then, yeah, then he'll get the last seven minutes of the game. Uh, I, I can't see him playing that much more than that, and they shouldn't play him much more than that. If they do, then that tells you that they're really going to struggle to, to compete, which seems hard to believe when you have LeBron, the team in the East. But, um, you know, I, I think you're right. My, my, I think that the, the, his best position is definitely off the bench, without question. I also knew that he probably wouldn't take that, you know, right. Like, he, he's like, no, I'm a starter. So do you think it's possible that if it's not going well for the first 15 games that he'll say, you know what, you're right, I, I need to come off the bench? Um, I could definitely see him being talked into it, right, if they're, they're losing and, they, and the coach can go to him and say, hey, it's not because you're playing poorly. We need your, we need your production when LeBron takes a seat. So I could see that, you know, and, and they, they'd sell him on the, try to sell him on the, on the Manu Ginobili role. But I just know that I understand, like, for players, that's a big deal, man. It's, it's, we, we, it's easy for us to say, like, uh, someone, someone, someone made the, the, the hypothetical that DeMar DeRozan would better sort of come off the bench in Toronto, and it, it's ridiculous, right? To me, right. it's ridiculous for the simple fact that he's shown that he's an all-NBA-type player, and you can say what you want about his plus-minus on-off. I mean, just stagger him. You know, don't, you, you can't bring a certain – we want ego and personality not to matter, but they matter when you're dealing with a team concept, right? And yeah. So, yeah, you can't tell a player like Dwayne Wade to come off the bench. You can't tell a player like Carmelo. You just can't do it because then you, you start dealing with the chemistry issues. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. It, it is. But, but I, I, either way, though, you have to – okay, give them the benefit of the doubt. See how it goes. So, yeah, you, gotta, you have to start the, um, the, the season as, as a starter with him. And then, yeah, you hope that, like, if it ain't working and you can tell that it, it would be much better off the bench – you have to hope that he'd be the professional and say, yeah, sure, no problem. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm having trouble picturing with Dwayne Wade what he would do in that situation. And so I don't know him personally, but certainly, you know, you kind of have to wonder. So, you, so basically you can picture that scene in your head of Lou going to him or, or LeBron, whoever it's going to be, and saying, man, we need you off the bench. You can picture that, that scenario where he'd be like, sure, no problem, let's do it. Uh, no, I mean, LeBron has to massage his ego. Right, LeBron have to talk to him and be like, "Hey, man, you know, it, especially coming from LeBron, I think he would listen." Right, if coming from LeBron, he would he he they, he would let him come out and say, "Hey, man, this is my choice." Dwayne Wade, the story would be Dwayne Wade went to Coach Lou and says, "Hey, you know what? Let's 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 change things up. I'm re- I'm willing to come off the bench," and that's how they would they would they would probably frame it. Okay. Well, by the way, I don't think that would ever happen though. I don't think Dwayne Wade would ever do that. I think they'd have to go to him. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. He wouldn't really do it. That's how they would frame it. Ah, yeah, okay. That's good. That's smart. Right. They'd go and say, you know what? We'll pretend that was your idea and whatever. Yeah, yeah. you'll be looking like the big guy. Okay, I can dig that. I mean, that's really uh, – are you like uh, – I didn't know you were in politics. <laughs> I mean, but you know what? Honestly, a lot of the NBA stuff that we talk about and we see, it is politics. It's about, you know, the hierarchy and – and the pecking order, we it's it's real. Uh, I didn't wait say it himself when when LeBron got to Miami, year two went so much better because he took a step back and was able to say, LeBron, this is your team, and I'm here to help. So it 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 takes um you know some it it takes a little ego massaging. That's what's so good about Phil Jackson, right? He can control big time egos and, and make and get guys to play together. So yeah, it's it's a big thing. Well, we'll have to see. I don't think Tyron Lue is that guy. Uh, I think what they were lucky to have is guys like Richard Jefferson and Channing Frye 
uh, any other uh, Arizona Wildcats, whoever else they needed. They had those veterans who could really, you know, make sure that all was in, in order as well. Because uh, without that, I wonder uh, how that works in the dynamic. And one day, well, maybe there'll be a tell-all book on that as well. Uh, and they throw David Blatt in that in a couple chapters too. I'd like to know the whole thing. Uh, so anyhow, but you're right. It's certainly a lot of politics, and uh, you know, we just out of curiosity, taking a knee. I think uh, thoughts on that. And what might happen? Um, I would love to see uh, certain, you know, some of the big name players, especially. I'd love to see them at least once or twice, uh, you know, or even if they want to run with for the whole season, I would love to see it. I do understand that, which is really strange to me. It's kind of odd that uh, that Silver already came out and, you know, and made it clear that they're supposed to stand, right? I, as progressive as the NBA has been about a lot of these things, it's really odd for him to already come out and try to put a try to nip it in the bud. Um, but yes, I, I mean, if the players uh, get together as a team or individuals want to do it, I, I would be all for it because I really believe that that uh, you know, Kaepernick has started a, a very important conversation, and I would like to see star players keep it going. Yeah, I would be surprised if they really came down um, on the players if they wanted to do it. Um, but you're right. Uh, and I, I looked at it again because I, I, I was kind of surprised by, the, by Adam Silver's response in the beginning. And again, it, it kind of just felt like he's like, well, you know, it does say in the rules that you're supposed to stand. Like, that's how I kind of almost read it the second and third time I looked at it. So, um, you know, they, they've loosened up on the rules about, like, you know, dress code a little bit, you know. And so it's possible that they could be, you know, they, they simply they can choose what to enforce in that rule book. That's that's the other thing. So we'll have to find out. It isn't that cut and dry to me that like up oh, instant violation, instant fine or whatever. But um, I don't know. Either way, it's a, it's an important point. Jamila Hill is now suspended for um, making another point about stuff like that. It's kind of crazy what's going on. That's why it makes me glad that, uh, that I don't work uh, for some huge conglomeration or some you know big corporation. Yeah, uh, I'm really uh, a bit disappointed with how ESPN handled the uh, Jamel Hill uh, situations. I feel like now she has a target on her back. Um, and, like, for them to suspend her for, you know, from what they're saying this time, it's for, you know, uh, inciting people to boycott Jerry Jones Cowboys. Like, you know, if, if a journalist can't retell the people how to – how to show their displeasure. If a journalist gets suspended for doing that, then, then uh, we are going down, I think, a slippery slope here in the, in the U.S., and it kind of worries me. Right. I mean, listen, she was warned, apparently, and, like, you know, because of the couple weeks ago stuff. So I kind of get it. And maybe if she had waited, you know, uh, three months, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal. But then again, she shouldn't have to wait when there's, you know, it's a, it's a, the point was, you know, is, is certainly valid. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a problem, and that's what you do when you when you you know sign that contract to work for you know the mothership. Uh, you know you're that's you know Bill Simmons can tell you about it in a different way, uh, and now Jamel Hill can tell you about it. Uh, you know, and some others. So it's like, you know, that is the problem. That, that's why I kind of like you know what we got going over here because hey, you can say whatever. Go ahead and say whatever you like uh, on Twitter, it's, 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 and, and uh, no one's going to say anything to you about that. In fact, I'd encourage it, and I encourage uh, you know anybody else at ESPN to do the same. Well, I mean, we appreciate we appreciate it over here, Coach. <laughs> no problem. And by the way, I have no just for the FYI for all everyone listening. I have I don't it doesn't matter. I have no jurisdiction over anybody that contributes to uh, BeBallBreakdown.com anyway. But uh, anyhow. 
Uh, well, interesting conversation. Perhaps we can even have a podcast on that. Maybe Jamel Hill will want to come on and talk about it too. That would be nice. So we'll have to see if we can't uh, get some more uh, on that thing. I think it'd be worthwhile to, to have an, a full discussion about that, and even going to the history of it, because there's even some more NBA stuff uh, as well with uh, Mahmoud Al Aruf uh, doing that back in the '90s and actually getting kind of like he got Kaepernick. He uh, he didn't play much in the NBA after that, even though he was still really good. For sure, man. Mahmoud Abdul Aruf uh, had to go overseas and play for years. His house was vandalized. Uh, it, it's a it's a sad tale and a sad story. And I mean, you know what? It's, it's America will never get to where it's supposed to be if we never have those conversations and we never address that elephant in the room. So let's let's hope that you know the players stand strong and keep it going. And it's up to us as writers and it's us up to us as fans to also support that. Yeah, and this should be clear what we're talking about. It's it's for you and I. I think it's clear what they're doing and why they're doing it, as far as uh, protesting police violence against you know people of color, as opposed to anything that has to do with the flag or our troops. And everybody I've ever talked to, yeah, who's been in the military is like, no, we're fighting. We fight so that you have that option. You have the right to protest if you want to. And uh, you know that's where we're coming from. And it's nothing to do about the flag or 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 the troops or, or the or the country. As it, you know, so coach, I'm, a veteran, I'm a veteran myself. I, I did, you know, I did over 10 years in the in the, in the Navy. And sure, there, there's going to be people in the military because the military is just a, a, a cross section of America. There are people in the military who are racist and there are people in the military who will say stuff like, you know, the players are doing something disrespectful at my service. There are people like that. But I think on the whole, we serve to uphold the Constitution, not to protect a piece of cloth. And while it's, you know, we know what the flag symbolizes, it also, to other people, which means you know, to the athletes of color and people of color, it symbolizes um, inequality, right? Because the country is built on the backs of, of slavery and, and, and discrimination. And we wanted, we're at a better place now than we ever were, but it can be better. And we should all want it to be better. So the fact that, you know, it's not about disrespecting the flag. A protest is meant to make people uncomfortable and to make people take notice. And that's what it has to be. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a, I hope that... I don't know. I, I, at least we're still talking about it. So yeah. Kaepernick's not, he's out of the job, but he started, he started something that's not going to go away in time. I agree. And that's and good. And, uh, you know, and it's also just exposing a lot of the politicians out there for who they really are. Um, and some of it's pretty despicable. But let's finish this up because uh, I, I don't want to take up you know, too much more time of your time tonight. I got to go pick up my daughter from uh, dance. So, uh, again, James, thanks for coming on, breaking this stuff down. Every Wednesday, join us now that the season's upon us. We will do this on the regular. Um, and don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel, your conversation. You in? Are you in, James? Coach, you know I'm in.